just because God has designed you to do it and and he's calling you to do it, do not think for a moment it's going to be easy. That That's not always the way. So why would two guys leave comfortable jobs, move across the country and start a business in an industry they don't know, a place they don't know, and could it be successful? We're Dale and Brian Carmi. Join us as we share our story and inspire you to become people of impact. Welcome to the Impact Without Limits podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Impact Without Limits podcast. This is Dale Carmi sitting here with my brother, Brian Carmi. Good morning. And uh, today we're having a special episode. We're kind of terming, terming it a special, special episode because we're going to release this in the middle of the month. Usually our special episodes are at the end of the month. But we have uh, with us our, our pastor from the Chapel in Green, uh, Pastor Mike Costelli. Pastor welcome, Mike. Mike. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. You know, we've we've brought been bringing on a lot of different people, and uh, you know, our theme or message is obviously being people of impact. And and Mike, you are a, a tremendous per- person of impact, and and what you do, and and how you lead our church there. And we just thought it'd be great to get you in, talk with you some. Um, we have have a couple questions for you, and just um, you know, share with the group. I love the concept. I love the theme of being a person of impact. You know, and making making a difference where where you are. Whether you know in your home and work, wherever the you know wherever God yeah. puts you that way. And as we build our business, we we think God placed us here for a reason. And we've we've told the story when we decided to um, get involved in artificial turf. I, I, look, we didn't really know why. We we didn't know what artificial turf has to do with purpose, but we believed we were following where God was leading us. And as we've built and pursued this, we've wanted to be good stewards of what God's blessed us with right. and use uh, this business and this opportunity to be people of impact, but then also to, to, to build and create people of impact. So that's part of, you know, part of what we're doing here and hopefully, you know, audience out there where you're getting some things that will, will help you and impact you as we go. And a, and a lot of this podcast has kind of been our story, right? Telling our story. And, and um, as we bring other people on and talk, I, I, we like to, to share their story a little bit. So obviously you're currently a, a pastor uh, leading the chapel in green, uh, but that's not where you started. It wasn't a childhood dream of yours. Is that a no, accurate not, way to say not that? Not even by a long shot. <laughs> yeah. Even, even in the midst of the transition, it seemed odd. It was just very different from, from where I thought even my life was going at the time, but yeah, we, you know, that was just a your, your normal kid running around being crazy. My parents who, um, one, my father came to this country, uh, you know, as an immigrant when he was an adult, came from Sicily, born and raised. He was a little guy during the war over, you know, obviously in the middle of the theater there in Europe, um, born and raised in Sicily nearby Palermo. And so he's got some interesting stories that way. But uh, as he uh, became an adult, and then his his father died in the war, actually, um, fighting on behalf of Italy when when they were on the other side, uh, Italy switched after Mussolini was um, executed. And uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, his mother came to this country when she uh, married a second time, my, my grandmother. And then eventually he came over at the age of 16, 17. Hmm. And uh, met mom uh, relatively soon. My mother, because of the kind of tight ethnic circles, the, her family was from Italy. So I, I grew up in a very Italian, Roman Catholic. You know, you watch that uh, show on TV, the My Big Fat Greek Wedding. That was kind of my home on the <laughs> Italian side. Um, so, but it was fun. And we were, we were, uh, yeah, just a normal kind of cultural Catholics and, um, very engaged in the in the Italian culture and and uh, grew up went to public school and decided I, I was uh, I actually didn't didn't even go to college at first I, I was a professional musician for a while and I okay, thought that I, was gonna I, be my I knew path. I was gonna ask yeah. you about this yeah Are you a drummer drummer yeah yeah so yeah. what kind of band uh, rock rock and roll band um, not quite heavy metal but pretty aggressive rock we played in the bars and the 
in the various nightclubs and my brother was the guitarist and okay. like like uh the two of you yeah we were we were really tight growing up and so we played in a band together and went to the same we were of close enough in age that we went through the same grade together oh so wow they're okay. only 10 and a half months <clears throat> apart um, and I, he was, wasn't quite old enough to get into the grade ahead of me. And I wasn't, I was just old enough to sneak into the same grade with him. So we were always through the same grade together in a band and, and we, we played all through high school. My, my goodness. I remember playing in a bar and I was in ninth grade. I'd never let my kids do that now, but <laughs> you know, that's the way it was then. And, and uh, we did it and graduated from high school together and, both thought, well, let's let's make this music thing work. So we were playing locally and on the kind of the the bar scene, if you will, and and it was fun. How, it was good. How many years did you do that? Oh, uh, wow! I was playing since I think I started taking lessons, um, like fifth grade, sixth grade, and okay. we probably had a a garage band going in middle school, and then by the time high school hit, we were playing out um, professionally. So uh, up up all through those years. And then, and then I didn't go to university. I stayed, we stayed in the band and, and, and he, my brother up at one point decided he didn't want to do that anymore. Joined the Marines and the band kind of fell apart and I got in some other bands and they didn't, they weren't good. And I ended up going to, that's when I said, ah, I'm going back to school. So I went into engineering at the university of Akron. So I, I got to jump in with two questions here. One, and it might not have been right, but I heard at one point that you were in like an ACDC cover band. Did you? Uh, my brother was in an Alice Cooper cover band. Your brother was in an yeah. Alice Cooper cover yeah. band. Yeah, when he okay. got back out of the Marines, he came back into town and joined a band. At that point, I was already knee deep in engineering, so I couldn't quite do that. Yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, we yeah, that was, uh, but very similar kind of ACDC, yeah. Alice Cooper, Van Halen, uh, you know, those, the old 80 classic rock guys. Yeah. That's what we were playing. Very cool. So another question, have you ever considered at the end of a service, just walking over yeah. And too playing the drums times. for this. Yeah. Too many times. We're so. coming out at the beginning. <laughs> Actually, the worship band playing the drums. trying to get me to do that. I think I want to see this yeah. filled stage yeah. and yeah. you banging on the yeah, drums right. to start a sermon. I think that would be outstanding. Yeah. yeah. So you got my vote. I said, go for it. <laughs> All right. So you go to University of Akron. Yep. At some point you end up at NASA. Yeah. Is that your first job out of college? Just normal jobs that you work to help make a little money to pay for school. So um, stayed in for grad school. I did really well, stayed in for grad school. And NASA had a graduate fellowship that uh, I applied for. And I knew one of the professors at the university that was also an adjunct researcher uh, at the research facility in Cleveland. So NASA has multiple research facilities. Um, Those are the ones that are less known in the context of NASA. Everyone knows flight control and, you know, down in Cape Canaveral Mm -hmm. where the the launches occur and Houston, of course, the flight control and some of the more famous. But they have research facilities where the scientists and the mostly engineers. And um, so they have a a big one in Cleveland and uh, their dominant emphasis is uh, engines. So propulsion. Okay. So jet engines, rocket engines, um, um, NASA, then it was called NASA Lewis. Now it's called NASA Glenn. It was renamed after John Glenn. And uh, I started a fellowship up there in, in the midst of grad school. And and uh, it worked out well. And they hired me up uh, right out of grad school. And and I la- launched into that. So in the in the midst of getting married right at the same time, pretty much, or shortly thereafter, um, and, and launched my career as a research scientist. So what was, what was the most exciting or unique project you worked on at NASA? Oh, my goodness. There were bunches. Actually, my very first project was associated with um, a battery component. Kind of, we would call it a battery, but it was not, not a traditional battery of one of the ways that was on the table from a research perspective of powering the space station. So when, when, okay. you, when you go in and out of sunlight, you are exposed to quite a bit of heat. So you're going to use the the energy from the sun to melt a, a, a liquid, a, a metal into liquid form. And then as it cools, you can tap the energy off it as it's cooling. So, and you can use that to power much like solar power, but now you're actually solidifying, melting and solidifying a metal. So that was a very fun, that was a fun project that working on the materials um, that were involved in that. And then some of the X planes that I got to work on, 
because uh, we would always kind of join link arms with some of the military projects yeah. periodically. So <laughs> the X-30, which never flew, but it was a great research project. So that was quite a bit of fun. Um, good projects that way. Yeah, I think you lost me when you said something about the sun and the light. and Yeah, <laughs> melting metal. Yeah. As soon as we got past that, that was yeah. the last thing I had. So do you ever, like, sit around home and crunch equations or do things to get back into your scientist mode? Or Well, yeah, not just to pass time, but... He's not playing Wordle. So. He's doing, yeah, yeah. scientific equations. Yeah, yeah. Well, every, every now and then we'll, we'll get into... Of course, any any company has some measure of budgeting, right? So you can you can yeah. kind of create equations to calculate your budgeting process, and on and on we go. And so that's that's a little bit of fun. Yeah. So it's very right. cool. So while you're working at NASA, um, and and I want you to tell the story, but you have you, there's a friend that starts some type of Bible study. Yeah. Um, just walk us through what 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 happens. Yeah, which is my uh, original connection to the church where we're at now, the chapel. Uh, so um, I immediately uh, kind of connected with a particular guy up there that I knew. He he was just grabbing his PhD when I was grabbing my undergrad. So I remember him. He was a little ahead of me school wise, and uh, so my office ended up being right next to his. So we immediately kind of struck up a friendship. His name uh, is Steve, and. Um, we began to to work together, do research together, and publish papers together, and so and he became a very good friend, and he's a believer. He was a believer in Christ, and so he kind of knew my background. I was nominal in my in my Roman Catholicism. I really had nothing to do with any kind of pursuing God at all. I, I would never have described myself as an atheist. Um, so I was absolutely convinced there was a God. And of course, growing up in the midst of the church, you see you see Christ and you hear about the cross. And so I heard all the words, but it was never personal, right? I never really owned anything. But and he he began to, bef- he befriended me, talk about a person of impact, right? So mm-hmm. he was there at NASA, a brilliant man. Um, and uh, And he knew that part of his, his goal in life was to reach people for Christ, and he did that. And so we worked together, and we respected each other technically in in the work that we did. And yet he pursued me spiritually. So he began to we'd go to lunch together, you know. So there we are, and I was up there a total of twelve years, um, but probably two years into it, he was already kind of working working his way into into my soul a bit with good questions like. Okay, if there is a God, what is, what does he expect? What does he want? What happens when you die? And how good so this do you is need interesting. To be? He he's asking you those yeah, questions. You're not me. asking him. No, no. He he pursued me. He he knew it. And he back at back at the church where he attended, which was the chapel in Akron, he had a group of folks praying for this uh, pagan guy named Mike. So <laughs> that that was they're praying in the background. It worked. It, worked. it must have done something. Uh, obviously. And and he was asking me all the right questions again. And I've said this many, many times um, in front of folks. And I'll, I'll say this to young men and women who are really interested in science. If you're honest with your science, it will drive you to God. Um, the, dig, the more you dig and the deeper you dig, and if you get to the point where you're doing, you know, hardcore research, so to say, you questions will be raised that you have no, you have to conclude there is somebody or something with intelligence out there. It pushes you to the idea of a divine creator. Things are just too well-ordered. They work perfectly, well-designed. Um, I know what it is to design a thing and to analyze a thing that is designed. And when you begin to look at nature and our our universe, uh, you, you see design beyond um, normal comprehension. So, so again, science kind of pushes you this way. And he began to ask the right questions, not so much about design, because I wasn't a, I was really wasn't an atheist, but questions about spirituality and and heaven and hell and what happens after this life and and uh, and he and he asked the right question for me, which was how good do you have to be to be accepted? Cause we all think we're pretty good. Right. I mean, I'm, we're not out there rape, pillage and burn. I mean, it's right. not, uh, so that's not your normal path. 
your normal path is to try and be a good person. I was a decent husband and uh, I had a great wife and we had all these things going for us. And obviously is generally speaking, a moral person because we were raised, I was raised in a good family that was moral, generally speaking. And, uh, but how good do you have to be to be accepted by God? That's, that's a good question. And he had this terrible illustration, which was, I still, I still tease him about it when we talk. He said, if they're okay, fine, there's one spot left in heaven and you and Mother Teresa are standing next to each other and there's one spot left. Who gets in? You know, really, that's not even a fair question. So <laughs> I knew at that point you're in trouble. And then he pursued that to talk about grace, talk about forgiveness, talk about the, the idea that, um, that that God promotes and the teaching God promotes in his word of forgiveness on the basis of, of faith. And grace, and so, and it was compelling. Drug me into a little Bible study. It, I said, "Hey, well, let's let's just study the Bible together." And I said, "Fine, you know, I'm not an atheist. I'll read the Bible with you." And we did. We started a little Bible study. Me, him, and one other guy who's was a young lawyer at the time. Now, now a good friend and a local judge, actually. And uh, the three of us worked through the Book of Romans. And somewhere around Romans ten, I was supposed to be wrapping up my thesis dissertation paper at home. And, uh, and there I was reading the Bible in Romans 10. You get to that passage that confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And I, I knew enough from my past religion that it shouldn't be that simple. It wasn't that simple. And yet all through I'm reading grace, 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 and God forgives and you just have to believe him. And that's the only way you're you're ever going to be good enough is if he gives you his righteousness. And so I did right there. And then it was me and the dog sitting in the room and I'm talking <laughs> out loud because it says confess with your mouth. Right. So I'm taking it literal at that point. I'm I'm saying these things. I don't want to miss this if that's if that's how literal it needs to be. And the dog looks at me and then lays back down I'm like, what's he who's he talking to? And uh, and it worked. And that was that was uh, about that was about my second year third year at NASA. I didn't realize till I really got involved in faith that you're supposed to note that day. <laughs> so yeah. now I look back and say somewhere, somewhere in that, that time frame. And, and then I, then it, it made a difference. Um, I began to, began to see your vocation, your work as not the, as an end in and of itself. Like I want to be great at this thing. Why? Well, now there's purpose behind it because you're working the scripture would say you're working for Christ. You, you, whatever you do, whatever you put your hand to do it for the glory of God. So now you're, now you want to be a great research engineer for the purpose of bringing glory to God. And there's a bigger purpose behind it, which is people, right? I mean, people last forever. So, and like my friend, Steve, who kind of pulled me talk about a person of impact. He pulled me, uh, impacted my life with the message of grace and the gospel. And, and now your whole life, changes. So that's how I, I ended up. And then 10 years later, I'm still there. And but my last few years, I could tell I didn't want to, this is not my path for the rest of my life. I loved it. It was great work. I worked with great people. Um, you couldn't, if you're a, an engineer, research engineer in particular, you couldn't find a better place to work. I mean, it was just fun. And you, you had access to the best of technology, the best of equipment, the best of, you know, you go down into the laboratory and you construct a test to evaluate, you know, I was a, a materials um, and structures research engineer for propulsion equipment uh, engines. And uh, you, you had the best access to everything. Uh, so uh, everybody looked at me and goes, what are you doing? You're leaving this? What, what are you doing? Why would you leave this? And I just knew at some point, it was God had other intentions for me. So probably two or three years before I left, I was thinking. You, you knew it was going to happen. Yeah, it was going to happen. But that's a scary thought because I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't think anyway. Right. And because that's not what I've done. It was my poor wife. She married a, a research engineer. <laughs> And now, now she's now she could be stuck with a you know a pastor. Oh right. my goodness! I talk about a different life. And so she was gracious, and we kind of worked through the changes even in our own life of what that would bring. And then in two thousand, yeah, I did. I kind of launched out and joined the staff at the chapel. I had already worked and and achieved an undergrad degree from Moody Bible Institute, and then 
also I was partial partially through a master's degree from because I I was I loved the I loved the study and the uh, kind of the academic part of it anyway and I wanted to learn so I, I had the the schooling already behind me or at least a good chunk of it um, I wasn't a pastor so that took about six months on staff. And then you sit with a licensure board and go through all the components that are required that way. So, I mean, that was obviously a, a big transition for you. Yeah. And you have your friend, Steve, yeah. who yeah. doesn't go into, I, I don't believe, no, goes into full-time there. ministry. No, he's still, still at NASA. And, and he has impact. Yeah. But you feel called to this new direction. Yeah. What, what advice would you give for maybe people that are listening that are that are in a spot in their life, maybe they're just starting college or career, or maybe they're in a point where they feel like there's a transition. How, how do you know where you're being called and when yeah. you're just supposed to bloom where you're planted? Yeah. Talk about a challenging question. Oh my goodness. Um, I, I did this many times and then finally gave up on it. You know, don't, you can ask God to flash the lights. Mm-hmm. You can pull the Gideon, right? Yeah. You know, okay. Yeah. We, we, we tried that one. Yeah. Right. So, and sometimes he'll do that for you, but I, I think there's a sense of, of, of weakness in all of that. And I'll just, I'll just say that humbly. And he does it because he's gracious. And sometimes he will flash the lights and sometimes, you know, the fleece will be dry and the fleece will be wet. And, you know, but there's a sense of testing God in all that. If, if he's already got you moving in a path. So, the advice would be, um, number one, he does pay attention. Number one, listen very carefully to the voice of other people that you trust in your life. I, I was teaching very actively uh, at the church at that time as just a volunteer, and and it was it was um, I actually had people walk up to me. Uh, one guy in particular that just took me back. He wasn't even a believer. I was teaching brand new, kind of exposing people to the gospel classes. And he walked up to me, he says, just out of the clear blue. So when are you leaving NASA? And I go, what are you talking about? He said, you clearly, God has made you to do this. When are you leaving? Mm. And I thought, sit down and shut up. What are you, what are you <laughs> talking about? Pay attention to the people that God brings around you, because one of the ways that God speaks to you now, he can make the fleece dry or wet. He can do that. One of the ways he'll speak to you is through voices of others where you're, you are making an impact. And, and, and pay close attention to that. Um, that's just one piece of, of the puzzle. Um, another piece. Watch and see where God is blessing your work. Now, now he blessed my work at NASA. I, I really didn't have a problem there. But... He, he began to bear such incredible fruit in some of these other things that I was putting my hand to that it was it was almost refreshing in a way. It was like, wow, he's bearing fruit here and I'm just doing this. And I wonder, like he's, I think you'll sense your gifting. Uh, scripture teaches that when you become a believer, Christ, his spirit dwells in you. And in the midst of his dwelling, he also gifts you. Now, gift is different than a talent. A gift is something of himself where it is him, where he will use you in the context of what he's doing in his kingdom work, either in the body or with other people or to accomplish an end for him. And, and watch for fruit, watch for, watch for productivity, watch for an impact. And so that was another measure, trying to listen to wise voices. Some, some I knew well and others I, did, I didn't know well. So I'm listening to guys like Steve and others who are already in my life strangers who would say things that I tilt my head a little bit, you know, and go, really, that's interesting. Um, I'm watching for fruit in my life. So if you're, if you're trying to figure out, um, here's what you don't watch for. Don't watch for something that's easy for you. That's a misnomer. And I'd say, be careful with that. Um, Just because God has designed you to do it and, and he's calling you to do it, do not think for a moment it's going to be easy. That that's not always the way. Um, just because he's designed you to do this thing, it doesn't mean that wow, this is a piece of cake for me. I was, I didn't, I didn't like speaking in front of people. I, I didn't. I would never have considered myself. I was a little more of an introvert. I'm still a high eye. 
on every aptitude test or every every test you take that kind of wants to evaluate who you are. I'm I'm always like off the charts on the introvert <laughs> side, terribly so. My my idea of a great time is sitting in a room alone with a book. <laughs> now I I laugh at that because that's not exactly true. But if I were left to my own, um, I would be way more of an introvert than an extrovert. And when you think of someone doing public speaking, which is either number one or number two on the thing that scares people the most in this life, sometimes it flips between death and public speaking. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you want to die or you want to speak in front of someone? <laughs> it's a, it's flip the coin. Let me see which I hate worse. So, um, but but just because you're you're, it's hard for you. Um, don't don't think it's not what God has made you to do. If it were easy. You might not handle it well. It's good to work hard at the thing that God has kind of designed you for. So that's another piece of advice. This is so hard for me. Yeah, well, watch the fruit from it and watch what people say around you. And and obviously, be be a person of, of seeking after God. Um, wow, I don't necessarily, he never did flash the lights for me. I always kept waiting. I kept saying, okay, God, if, this, if you really expect me to leave NASA, and leave all that education behind and leave the best job in the world behind that the a typical person in my with my area my degree you'd kind of give your proverbial left arm for wow that's the job right that, i'd love to work there yep um if you're really going to ask me to do this i want a light flash how do you know i know to head to arizona how do you I know, know i'm gonna go do this i I don't. He he rarely flashes the lights, but he'll nudge, and he will affirm, and he'll and he'll help you, and it'll be hard. It was hard. My my first week at the chapel is so funny. My very first week, I was ended up on Friday, Monday Monday through Friday. Friday, I'm sitting in an office with a lawyer, and we're because I came in as the administrator of the church. I wasn't a pastor yet, but I had worked enough projects and knew how to administrate and manage things. So that was the spot I jumped into because that was the spot that was open. And so I'm assigning paperwork on behalf of the church, which I was familiar with having attended there for 10 years, but now on staff, paperwork for the land that we could negotiate exclusively so that it wouldn't get get purchased up by another um, interested party. Right. The owner of the land in green, where we're at now, um, was willing to sign paper with paperwork with us to said, okay, we'll be patient because we, we were interested, but we didn't want to jump without working a lot more details. And the owner was convinced the details were going to work out and he really did want to sell to us. And so there I was signing paperwork on land that cost, oh my goodness, three, little over $3 million. And so I put my John Hancock on that piece of paper and I'm thinking, what am I doing? I go home that night and I was a little sick to my stomach uh, after meetings and whatnot. I thought, I, I just made a terrible, what, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, this is so unfamiliar and I'm so far out of my box and this must be, and then you realize uh, it's okay. You know, you just keep one day at a time, keep your mind and your heart clean and keep moving and keep watching for the affirmation of God in the midst of the, of the hardness of it all. And it ends up, it ends up, it ended up working out. I mean, it ended up being a beautiful thing. So a couple of years later, we break ground and, uh, and that wasn't easy. We had our challenges in terms of a big church in a neighborhood. And so that, that even had its struggles and, and, uh, and, and learn, learn how to pray. Here's a good way to seek God's will in your life. Learn how to pray to God that if it's not the right thing, ask him to kill it. Mm-hmm. Rarely does the believers pray that they'll chase after a thing, a career change, a, a path that seems uh, this is pretty scary, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, you launch out, and you're not actually asking God to wreck it if it's not right. And so, so that was a regular prayer. Like if this isn't supposed to be, I mean, I'm I'm walking down this path, but I'm I'm asking you, I'm giving you permission, so to say. I mean, I'm even asking you to shut this thing down if it's not the right move. Because there's there, there were problems, there was tensions, there were, 
you know, there was angst over the, like you, you guys know that, mm-hmm. you guys, oh my goodness, how many times you, you think, okay, God, if this isn't where you want me and my efforts and my, you know, so-called life's work, so to say, then, then make it, shut it down, make a change that I absolutely cannot ignore. And then you have to shift gears and turn. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, yeah. You know we, that one. We've, right? we've prayed yeah. that one yeah, I'm a, sure. a lot and, and, and lived it. Um, I, w- I want to ask you something. And man, you've put so much out there, so, so much incredible stuff. But this is maybe a little bit of a tough one. Uh, and you hit on a little bit, but hard times, right? They happen to all yeah. of us, uh, right? Sometimes I feel like life you spend more time in the Valley than you do on the mountaintops. And, um, even though we know everybody's going to go through hard times, you you don't get through life without it. We always, we, as people always seem to be surprised when they're happening to us. Yeah. And I know you've been through hard times, but what, what advice do you give people? What do you, what do you tell people to, what do they hold on to? How do they work their way through? How do they, they navigate those waters when, when you're in the valley, when you're at the lowest point. Yeah, on the front end, and this is almost always, this may be the hardest part, really. You have to absolutely convince yourself that God is good all the time and, and that you trust him with what's going on in your life right now, that, you, that any normal person would want to run away from, you know, the, the death of a loved one, um, a, a heartache. You know the uh, the crash of your business, you know the. I mean, you you name it. I mean, the valley, whatever valley you you have to absolutely a non negotiable has to be that you you are convinced that God is good and He knows where you're at, He knows what you're going through, and it's got purpose to it. I, I say it slowly because I don't want to say, yeah, that thing was on purpose. But I want to say it this way. That thing has purpose to it. And you may not fully ever grasp it. So that's got to be step one. So, you know, we went through a crisis last year. I personally went through a crisis in the midst of the church. So if you don't immediately conclude that God is good in the midst of this and there's purpose to this, even though I don't exactly know what it is yet, and sometimes you you never you may not sometimes know. you never like know. everyone says oh well when it's all done and over with you're gonna look back and you're gonna know why eh, I don't know I wanna I wanna veto that comment to say nah, you might not you might not know why and by time you get to see him face to face you're not even gonna ask probably you're just gonna trust that that there was purpose in the midst of it so that that is step one. And that sets the course for persevering through and in the valley. Don't deny the valley. It's a valley. Don't, don't, I mean, let's not be Pollyanna and say, oh, this is, oh, this is really a good thing. I think that's just silly. This is really a bad thing. I mean, you can name things in your guys' lives. I know, I know you can. Um, I've prayed with, with you and for you. At times, stuff going on in the company and stuff going on in your personal lives that have been just terrible valleys of the shadow of death, right? You're, you're in the valley. Acknowledge that it's, it's hard and bad and, and knowing that God is good and ask, keep asking yourself how I can, this is, this is crazy because you don't catch it until you, I think you just learn the, uh, a walk, a faith walk. How can I bring you glory in the middle of this thing? And and it may be by just existing for a while. Like you can't like you can't find a way to glorify God if you're crawling on your knees at, at but but the way you crawl, people are watching you crawl. Mm-hmm. That's the killer. I mean, so I want to say you can glorify God when he's brought you to your knees because he's allowed you to walk into a circumstance that nobody would want to walk into. Um, but somebody's always, you're always on display as a believer. If you can comprehend that and know that God is not just teaching you something, but teaching others. The entire book of Job, 
which is probably the book on suffering in Scripture, probably the oldest book in the Bible. Um, we don't have a date for it. Um, it predates in its setting um, Moses' writing, which is Genesis through, you know, you got, you got the first five books of the... So now you've got Job. The entire book of Job is cast in a light at the beginning that it was a demonstration for the angelic beings, Satan in particular. It's God who points Satan to Job. Go check this guy out. Now, Job, all this stuff's going on, including the death of his children and the loss of his property and then the loss of his own physical well-being. All of this stuff is going on, and he hasn't a clue as to the high narrative that set the stage. We see that because we get to read the book. He's got all this stuff going on in his life, and he's not aware, so to say, that it is a demonstration for those in the heavenly realms, if you will. I mean, they're not only, I'll show you, in essence, God says, I'll show you a man who will not curse me, even if everything is taken from him. And so what's that? That's a demonstration of the glory of God in the life of Job, which no one would no one would say, I want to do. But if you can figure it out, if you can actually put yourself in that spot and realize that he's got you on your knees and Part of it is because he might want to demonstrate not just something to you, but something to someone else. Like when you see someone suffer and you see someone suffer well, that, that's a beautiful thing. And you can learn from it and, and, uh, and grow from it. And God can be glorified from it. So I would say try and get that perspective or at least work through it and pray through it in the middle of the valley because it's real, right? God's with you. I mean, I think of Psalm 23, you're with me, you're in the valley, you're, you're rod and your staff, they comfort me, even though I walk through that valley, I know you're with me, and, and, and you're not just shaping me and teaching me, but you're, you're shaping and teaching others. And so if you can see your life in the context of not just you, why did he do this to me? Well, maybe the answer isn't just you. It has to do with somebody else. And wow, there's a perspective that we rarely go to. Um, Yeah, maybe we rarely get to see, I don't know. But but others have come up, I suspect, to you. I mean, why, why do you present these podcasts that others might listen to what you've been through, what you've learned, that they might benefit from it, right? So that can be heard and that can be seen. And so... In, in a very real way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talk about yeah. people of impact yeah. and I think what you just said was amazingly uh, impactful, educational in the fact that you can be in the depths, you can be at your lowest point and that may be your opportunity to be a person of impact Absolutely. in how you handle yourself, how you respond and how you get through impact. Isn't always from the stage or from the mountaintops. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's life. The, the very, the Apostle Paul, and this is almost dreadfully, you know, you, you smile, but, and then you shake your head and you say, please, God, not me. Um, so uh, God calls, Christ calls Paul, you know, you're, you're working through the book of Acts and, and uh, you get to the point where, you know, Paul's out there killing people, raging, arresting people, arresting people, hauling them, you know, locking them up, the Christians. And God introduces himself to Paul, <laughs> Acts chapter nine. And uh, Paul goes blind, right? So realizes, he asks, who are you? And then he identifies himself, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting, because he was killing the church. And then uh, Paul you know, makes his way to where he was going. And, uh, and then God sends a guy to Paul to, to reveal to him what's going on and to actually help him on this issue of blindness. And it's the comment that's made to this man who says, I'm not going to that guy. He's, Hey, are we talking about the same guy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not going to him. He's out there killing people. And then, and then, and then Christ says to the man, I must show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now you, what you don't want God to do is say that about you, right? (laughs) Right. So that's why I say you, you smile a little bit, but you can find no greater figure in Scripture than Paul in terms of sacrificial life for the sake of God's glory. And the first comment that God makes about him, 
to a man that he was sending him, you know, sending to help him see again is I'm going to, I must show him how much he's going to suffer for my name. And Paul did. And for the sake of somebody else, for the sake of the church, but for the sake of Paul too, right? So he would say, you know, he prayed to get this thorn taken away, whatever it was in his life. Many people think it was his eyesight that was going. There are hints at that too, that he didn't want to lose his sight. Um, but, but um, and he keeps praying to God, take this thing away from me, take this thing away. And God says, no, you know, I'll, I'll give you what you need. My grace is enough for you. And then he comes to the conclusion, then I'll revel in it, right? I'll, I'll limp, I'll crawl. If, if that means I get to know you better because I get to know your grace better. Um, so there was a value to Paul too, but we would look at Paul's life and say his his challenges, his valleys, which seemed to never end, um, were value to everybody else, mm-hmm. us included. Right. Um, but so you've got to when you're walking in the valley of the shadow of death, don't be afraid because God is with you and there's purpose in it, whether you will see it one day or not. There is purpose in it, and you just have to absolutely non-negotiable come to the table and say, God's good, and he's going to use this rotten, terrible thing for his goodness. And ideally, I'll get to see the good that will come out of it. Most of the times, he actually does show us, if we're willing to see it. Right. Um, It was so bad, though. Sometimes we're unwilling to see it. The circumstances were so terrible. You wouldn't ask your enemy to go through it. And yet, if you're willing, he'll show you some good things that can that he's going to use those terrible circumstances in a good way. So, yeah, there's the. But that's life. Yeah, right? it when is. When do the valleys stop? Uh, I say sometimes from the pulpit, if you're not in the pit right now, just give it some time. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> Somebody's going to push you in one, or or you're going to fall in one because you did something stupid. And uh, either way, you're you're going to be in the pit. And it just give it time. So it's just life. And maybe, maybe that's the only way you really get to know God is by suffering. I mean, if he is the, he is the almighty comforter, you, how will you ever know comfort if you, if you're never you in a spot suffering. to need it? So it's like, I'm going to help you know me better. Okay, go. All right. Here you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. So we, we, talk about impact a lot and we, you know, the name of the podcast impact about limits. And and I'm I'm just, I think sometimes when we seek to be impactful, we can kind of short circuit things a little bit. And and you talk, you know, as I say, and listen to your story, you you have this uh, moment where you, you know, you start a new life with Christ, but you continue to work at NASA for nine years. Now you're talking about sometimes going through the valleys it's just surviving and it's just how would you advise somebody who feels like, man, I, I, I want to do something impactful right now, but I don't know if what I'm doing is impactful. So how, how do you know when to do something different and when to just persevere where you, you are? You are asking tough questions. <laughs> yeah, and, When you've got a guy like yeah, this, well, this trove of wisdom, I want to dive well, in. Well, I, I don't know about trove of wisdom. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think sometimes, I, 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 loved what, I loved what you said, you know, that you can be so ambitious to do something good that you short circuit it. I mean, be careful, you know, you, you know, let God provide the opportunity for the good thing to happen don't don't many have fallen into a pit because they're chasing something because our measure of good is not his measure mm-hmm. and oftentimes we think i'm going to make an impact okay put it on a piece of paper tell me what you think that impact is and i'm going to i'm going to bet a nickel that has something to do with the size of a thing or the profitability of a thing or the or your the step on the career ladder or i mean listen maybe God's massive thing that he's designed you for happens to be in the basement (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he needs to get you into the basement, not up the ladder. And if you start aiming for the ladder and on your own terms, you're going to short circuit 
maybe the most important thing that maybe is on God's mind or God's heart. So yes, I would say be very cautious and careful and slow even to start saying, I'm going to be a person of impact. I'm going to be a person of impact. Um, Watch where God can make you to be a person of impact. And most often in my life, this is, this is true. And we don't see it oftentimes it's people, right? It's how, 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 how will you be a person of impact? I will impact. I will be impactful for God. When I impact people, people last forever. And that person might be in the basement and you're thinking, I need to be a person of impact. So I got to climb the ladder. I need this big company. I need this big church. I need this big, and God doesn't use the same measures for impact that we use. If you want to be a person of impact, be a person who's available to be used for something eternal. You want to talk about impact? How about something that lasts forever, forever, right? And McKenna lived a short life in yep. the context of life. I've known others who have lived even shorter. But a person of impact isn't, isn't, He's using a different measuring stick. He's got a different thermometer <laughs> to measure heat, right? He, he, they're not the way we think of it. So as she did, um, watch for people. Watch, watch where you can, you can impact people. Um, and it won't necessarily be the way the world measures impact. Um, it, will be, it will be people impact. So, and don't, I don't think you have to aim for that necessarily. You just have to be aware of it and take advantage of it when he brings it, he brings it into your circle. And so, so that's so just a matter of prayer too. God, make me an impactful person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chances are it's not the, the CEO leader of the, of the current company you're working for. It may well be you're going to imp- look at the guy who changed my life. That's exactly but, what I was thinking yeah. of. And, and yeah. I, I, I love that, Mike, that. Uh, impact isn't position. Yeah, it impact is. isn't success. Impact isn't the size. Uh, a of lot of these things. It is what you do with who you are, with your opportunities, with what God has That's given right. you and blessed you with. That's right. Well, if you do, you still talk to Steve. Oh yeah. Tell yeah. him we said thank you. Yeah. Because yeah. Okay. <laughs> he has impacted our lives greatly through his his relationship with you. Yeah. So uh, I'll I'll call him or send him an email every now and then when something really bad happens to me. And I'll say, look what you did. <laughs> <laughs> look what you did. <laughs> this one's on you, Steve. Yeah, this one's on you. You made man. a few of those calls that's last right. year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look what you did. Yeah. No, that, that's just fun. But there, there's no, there is no life you can live where you're not going to have the ups and downs. Really? And, yeah. and let's be honest. We, we, we believe that there's more going on than is visible to our eyes. So your potential to impact things now becomes a spiritual battle in, in large part because others are watching and maybe others who you do not see are watching. And so go back to Job again. And so you're, you're, that, that level of impact is, is sometimes it might be hidden to, to folks and yet it's grand in God's eyes. And so, we just think of grand differently than God thinks of grand. Again, it, it's the it's the measuring stick. It's and so a, a lot of it exactly what Paul says in First Corinthians. It is to bloom where you're planted, and if he wants you to bloom somewhere else, he will he'll make it clear. And sometimes he'll move you with a pitchfork, and sometimes he'll move you gently. <laughs> but and and so and he'll move you. Yeah, I, I think the times it's the pitchfork. Yeah, the times sometimes. that we're resisting. Yeah what he's presented to us. Yeah. Right. I think if we're open to what God is showing us and where he's directing us, it is maybe often a smoother transition, but it's when we try to hold, I know Brian, we had this so many times where we were sure this is where we're supposed to be. And God was sure we were supposed to be somewhere, somewhere else. else. Yeah. A couple of times yeah. <laughs> the pitchfork yeah, came right. out of the jab, exactly. you know, the goad, you know. That's exactly that's right. That's why I, I warn folks all the time, because this was the case for me. Don't 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 think this is God's will for me because it's the easy path. Chances are, you know, oftentimes that's not the case. He may have made you exactly for that. And you may have to really, really That'll be the tough path. And yet that's the one he wants you on. And sometimes if you're unwilling to, to do that, he'll, he'll nudge you along 
you know, I've always heard the story and I've never really been able to research it. Well, uh, to be honest, I didn't try that, that an eagle with the eaglets when, when they're in the nest, you know, they initiate the nest with quite a bit because it's a big bird. And even the, the little guys are big, you know, it's, it's made out of some pretty hefty branches. So, weave in branches and whatnot and so branches poke so what they Mm -hmm. do is have a really intense lining so that the the pokey branches aren't coming through and and kind of beating up the chicks so to say um but as the mother eagle wants the little ones to get out of the nest she'll start to remove the the comfort the cush and the comfort to the point where it's so uncomfortable to stay there you're like i gotta get out of here i have to move it's that's what i call the pitchfork and if that's true if if an eagle actually does that that is such a cool design that god kind of builds in um because sometimes we do need the pitchfork we do need the poke um and yet and yet he's designed us to fly so to say Um, but we're not we're not inclined to oftentimes get out of the comfort zone. I, I, That's I awesome. Like that. Well, thank you very yeah. much yeah. for your time You're today. Welcome. I, I, um, I took notes. I've got all kinds of stuff I can go and apply in my life. Uh, hopefully, I, I didn't take notes. I'm just going to wait till the podcast comes out and listen to it. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, thank you, Mike. Thank You're you welcome. for uh, the impact you are in our lives. Thank you for for shepherding us and um, you know so much of what. I know the effort it it takes to to craft a presentation and for you to do that every week and for it to be so good and everything that that uh, means to us and our lives and the people it impacts through us. Thank you for that. I'll, I'll just put the thank you right back because yeah, thanks for modeling. Yeah. What you model in terms of how you treat your family, how you respond to, to the challenges that God has brought onto your plate. I mean, that's a testimony and witness uh, when things were going great and when things aren't going great. Right. So you're in a sweet spot right now. But didn't didn't I just say, be careful. Yeah, no, thanks. I, don't. <laughs> I really want to encourage you now. No, I, I think uh, you and your wives and the, your whole, you know, the the whole family, the. Uh, that's the first time I heard the term, the Carmi army. Carmi I thought army. That, was, that was so clever. Um, you you model well. Um, love and community and really wanting to make an impact on the people who are around you in a good way. Well, thank so, you. Thanks. We appreciate that. So guys, a uh, great session, man. I, I loved it. We'd ask you share it. You know, if you, if you saw value in this, if it stirred your heart, you know, if there are things here you think other people could use, uh, take the time to screenshot um, the podcast and share it with somebody or take the link, take the link and send it over, direct somebody to see it um, and, and encourage others to come in and, and, and share with us the things we are sharing, the things we're learning. And as, as uh, you go this week, go be impactful where you are and live an impactful life. And uh, we'll see you next week. This is a thread Army reminding you that faith looks up, hope looks ahead, and love looks all around to see whom it can help. Good day.